0: We've been doing this series, I Like Giving, and we like the I Like Giving series so much uh, we feel like God's doing something among us, so we decided to extend it for two weeks. So we really like I Like Giving, and this weekend um, I've called this message Messy Generosity, Two Bumps in the Road. What we're going to do is we're going to realize that generosity is not straightforward. Sometimes it can be complicated And we're going to look at two occasions, two bumps in the road in the life of two generous men and see where it all got a bit messy. In fact, frankly, it got kind of ugly. So let's be realistic about it. Acts chapter 15 and verse 36 is where I'm reading from. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John also called Mark with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches." It happened uh, some time ago. I may have told you the story, but it really fits this message. Our children were younger and um, living at home, and our daughter Kelly had just passed her driving test, which was a miracle because Daddy taught her how to drive. Can I, can I just say that it is never a good idea. Let me offer some parental advice it is never a good idea for Daddy to teach daughter how to drive. This involves high-pitched screaming, occasionally heard in Jupiter. There should probably be something in the Bible prohibiting that. You know, the book of Proverbs: "Ridest not in thy daughter 's chariot, something like that. Don't go looking for that. I just made that up just then. But anyway, Cuddy had passed a test. She was out running around town with Richard, our son, and suddenly the phone rang. It was Richard. And he said, dad, he said, I have to tell you, he said, we've just nudged another car. (laughs) Nudged. I said, I said, what happened? Is everybody okay? He said, everyone's fine, he said, but we're driving along. And he said, this guy pulled out of a side road in front of us and we couldn't stop and we hit him. Our car's kind of uh, damaged, his car isn't, and, and could you just come and help us? And I, I said, praise the Lord, son. <laughs> what a joy and a delight it is to share in this moment of parental bonding with you. How many know that didn't happen? Raise your hand if you, you, you knew that. Anyway, I drive across town and I pull up to where our car is, I can see this guy, he's pulled his car out and my daughter's crying she's still in shock a little and 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 I look across the road at this guy who's caused this accident and I I can't express to you the the deep sense of the love of God that I felt (laughs) so I thought I'll just calm myself so I got out and I walked across the road and I checked on my kids and then I went up and I, I said hi I said I'm their dad he went hi I said, what happened? I was really calm. I said, I said, what happened here? He said, well, your daughter drove into me. <laughs> you ever seen that movie Alien? You seen that movie? Where that green thing pops out of the chest of a hitherto perfectly nice chap. Uh, that's what happened to me. I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? She I said, look at your, look, what are you talking about? It's ridiculous. And he looked at me and he said, I don't like you. (laughs) He said, I'm going to get in my car and wait for the police. So I I said, okay. I'm standing there like, I'm thinking, this is not a good witness for Jesus. And then I'm thinking, does my car have a fish on the back of it? (laughs) So I checked the car, praise the Lord, it was fishless. And I... uh, (laughs) So I thought, I better try again. You, if you mess it up, apologize. So I went and I knocked on his window. And he wound down the window. That shows you how long ago this was. <laughs> Young people, there was a day in history when people wound down windows. I said, hi, it's me, the guy you don't like. He said, hello. I said, I've just come to apologize. I said, I'm sorry, I'm not. I said, I, I, I was just worried about my kids, and I was out of order. And I, I said, can I, could we start all over again? And this guy looked at me, and he smiled. And he said, he said, he said of course. He said, he said, I'm sorry, too. He said, I'm not normally like this myself. He said, he said actually, he said, I'm a minister. He said, uh, I said, good, good. Good. Well done. Very good. He said, what do you do? (laughs) I said, said, I'm a plumber. You got a sink? You know, so I said, I said, "I'm I'm a minister too. He said, really? He said, what's your name? said, Derry. I said, it's Jeff. He said, Jeff what? I said, Jeff Lucas. He said, Jeff Lucas. He said, I was reading one of your books last week. He said, I saw you on Christian TV on Tuesday night. Happy to meet you, Jeff. I'm thinking, the dude's going to get a guitar out. We're going to sing Kumbaya by the side of the road. Take a snapshot of the moment. There's him, man of God. There's me, allegedly. (laughs) Man of God. And what you've got is you've got two men of God behaving badly. Take a snapshot of this scene and you've got Paul, man of God, Barnabas, man of God, And they're behaving badly. And here's the deal. It was all over generosity. You see, Paul was a generous man. He wanted to give his very best to mission. He wanted the best team he could provide... It was the Apostle Paul who wrote in 2 Corinthians 9 that God loves a cheerful or a hilarious giver. In fact, the Apostle Paul, so generous was he, that he viewed his entire life as being like a gift in the offering. He says, 2 Timothy 4:6, I am poured out like a drink offering, generous man. Barnabas is a generous man. He's the son of encouragement. He wants to give, his cousin, John Mark, the benefit of the doubt. He wants to give him a second chance. Two generous men, and it all turns messy. you like me? I, I like movies when every, everyone lives happily ever after, and John Wayne rides off over the hill on the horse, and the sun goes down, and the music plays, and the words, the end, appear on the screen, and everyone goes, but it doesn't always work out that way it didn't work out that way here so what can we learn from the story if you're following in the bulletin follow with me number 1 number 1 before we get any further into the stories let's see that what's needed is a life and not just a season of giving and generosity it's a life and not just a season of giving It was Paul, the generous guy, again, who wrote in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 11, Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. You see, these Corinthians, they were good at starting things. They were enthusiastic, but they were basically selfish. They took each other to court easily. They boasted about their spiritual gifts. When new leaders came along, they quickly were fickle and turned to, to new leaders. And they were good at starting but not finishing. Anyone else like that around here like me? I'm, I'm, I'll give you an example. I, I, I decide I'm going to do a project like, like I'm going to put together some self-assembly furniture. I hate self-assembly furniture it is an invention of the devil (laughs) and I get this thing home and I say to my wife honey I'm going to create a masterpiece for you and she says yes (laughs) 20 minutes in I've used the wrong screws for this and the wrong and I can't find a minor piece of the construction you know like a door or something And I abandon it. I'm good at starting. We've done it, haven't we? We've started 100 diets. We've started 500 workout routines. And you see, this generosity thing, it's not about you going into the coffee shop or me and saying, I'm going to buy that guy a cup of coffee. Check. I've done that now. Hooray. It's about continuing because self-preoccupation is a hard habit to break. If you saw a movie in the 80s and you saw, for example, a New York crowd scene, guess what you'd see if you saw a movie in the 80s? You'd see people walking around like this, looking where they're going. It's novel, I know. Now, if you see a modern crowd scene, you'll see this in New York. See, we've become a selfie culture. It's all about me. And this self-preoccupation thing is difficult to break. What's needed is a life, not just a season of giving. Secondly, let's be honest about it. Let's beware of manipulation when it comes to generosity. Beware of manipulation. Generous people can be misused can be manipulated. This happened to Barnabas. Look at this, Galatians chapter 2. Let me explain before I read this. Barnabas and Paul were co-leading the church in Antioch. Paul is out of town. Peter comes to visit. Nice. But shortly after, while Peter is there, a group of legalistic Jewish Christians show up, and they believe that all of the rules and regulations from the Old Testament should still be maintained So here is what happens. Barnabas so wants to give and please people, he is manipulated into withdrawing from fellowship with the Gentile Christians. It's staggeringly stupid. And look at what is said here. When Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him, Paul says, to his face, because he stood condemned For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. You see, the generosity gift, if you will, every strength that we have has a component weakness and manipulation can result. Generosity is not about being manipulated. In fact, the New Testament speaks to that. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 6. No one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. So first of all, generosity is a lifestyle. Secondly, watch out for manipulation. Thirdly, Thirdly, let's push through disappointment. Let's push through disappointment. I think Barnabas was kind of disappointed with Paul. Why? Because Barnabas had given Paul a number of breaks. Barnabas had introduced Paul to the Jerusalem church when they were all scared of him. Barnabas had traveled to Tarsus where Paul had been after that event for 10 years and brought him back to Antioch and given him an opportunity for ministry in Antioch Barnabas we saw it last weekend he's the door opener why couldn't paul pass some of the grace around to john mark and i think i think barnabas felt burned like why can't he give like i gave to him it's difficult isn't it that when you're disappointed it doesn't work out well in the uh, in the novel the brothers karamazov Dostoevsky talks about a woman there who wants to serve the poor with her whole life. But the one thing she is terrified of is ingratitude. She says, I don't know whether I can cope with ingratitude. When I read that, I thought, that's me. I'll give you anything, but it'd be kind of nice if you'd just say thank you. And what I can do is I can... I can harness myself to the response of the other person and then get disappointed if there's not gratitude. Thank you's a big thing in, in my emotional vocabulary, although it was confusing when I first came to America. Because in America, when you say thank you, there's a response expected, isn't there? I say thank you and you say you're welcome. You're welcome. But we don't do that in England. When we say thank you in England, there is no anticipated response. It's just left hanging you might nod or something or grunt but you don't you don't say you're welcome so when I came over here I didn't know that that was the deal so I would say thank you and they'd say you're welcome and then I thought well that means I've got to say thank you again so so I'd say well well, thank you yeah very much and they'd say well you're very welcome and I'm thinking well okay then Well, well thank you I mean we're gonna not get out of here in three weeks Have we been disappointed? We, I don't want to try and clarify this or explain it. I'll just tell you what I think. I think there's something quite deep that God wants to do with us this weekend because we've been burned, some of us. And we gave, and it all blew up. And we've taken an open heart and we turned it into a clenched fist. I'm not going to let that happen again? Wouldn't it be amazing if something like this happened this weekend? Are we disappointed? Is it time to try again? Fourthly, it's a minor point this, but I want to make it. Number four, be loyal but be mindful of familial blindness. Be loyal, but be mindful of familial blindness. What's that about? Well, Barnabas was loyal to John Mark and defended him, but I've just got to say this because it's true. He is his cousin. So is it just possible that sometimes we are generous to people that we love in a way that means that we're somewhat blind to their faults? Teachers have told me that sometimes they have parents who go into those parents' evenings and they just cannot believe that their darling child could possibly do anything wrong. And you go to that parents' evening and you say, well, how's he doing? And the teacher says, well, he did try to burn the school down last week. (laughs) And you say, no, he's just such a caring person, he was just trying to fix s'mores for his friends. (laughs) No, he was trying to burn the school down. Be careful of generosity that is blind in a familial kind of way. Number five, number five, be realistic. Be realistic. Generosity, I've already alluded to this, but I'm going to say it again. Generosity doesn't always lead to a happy outcome. It didn't end up well here. It didn't end happily. These guys, these guys have a fuss and this is not a sort of mildly gentlemanly British altercation. I say Barnabas, I'm a little perturbed about the possibility of taking John Mark with us and I'd like you to consider with me over a cup of hot tea the possibility that we might not have him on our team. And Barnabas says, Paul, well, thank you for that opinion, but I'm jolly upset with you and I feel we need to talk this through. They have a sharp falling out. I'm so glad the Bible doesn't airbrush this. It didn't end well. It doesn't always end well. Pastor Darry tells this great story. It's so inspiring. He's got a real gift of encouragement. He tells this great story of going into a restaurant somewhere And the server was not having a bad day, she was having a bad decade. And she's slamming the coffee around and she's looking angry and and she is sharp. And he thought, how can I I connect with her? And he noticed that she had a rather elaborate tattoo. And so he said, he said, ma'am, do you mind if tell me about your tattoo? And she immediately, it was like the sun came out. She brightened up and she started to tell him about this tattoo. And she was animated and happy and and everything turned out great. So Pastor Darry came to England with us and he told that story at a conference. And a guy over there heard it. And this gentleman in England, having been inspired by Darry's story, he was in a restaurant where there was a biker guy about nine feet tall. (laughs) And the guy was being kind of rude to the servers, and he noticed that he had quite an assortment of tattoos. So inspired by Pastor Dari's story, he got up and walked across to this refrigerator of a man. And he said, Hey, tell me about those tattoos. And the guy said, and I quote, What the bleeping bleep has that got the bleeping world do with you, you bleeping bleep? (laughs) Now, just to be fair, I didn't quote what the gentleman said precisely. (laughs) Didn't turn out well. Sometimes it doesn't. But let's get over it. You see, here's the last thing. And that is, whatever happens, keep giving your life away. Whatever happens, keep giving your life away. Because you see, as we're about to see, sometimes generosity is not just a thrilling joy. It's a hard slog. It is hard work, as this story that we see on the screen now demonstrates. Take a look.
1: The story starts with me eating chicken at KFC, and this guy comes just shuffling in with a walker. His beard was growing out, and his hair was down to his shoulders, and it was greasy and matted. He's got on this old white T-shirt that is just soiled from stem to stern. I thought, well, you know, I can at least give him something to eat. We went and grabbed him some chicken, and uh, I found out he was living on a couch in a little patch of woods there. So he was back there laying on the couch and he told me that he was a homeless vet. I could not believe that a human being would be living like he was, especially having served the country. He was sick, he mentally disabled, smelled the high heaven. You know, it would be inhuman to leave a man living out like that if there was any hope. So I took him into a hotel, but uh, he's got issues with his kidneys and his feet. And so they finally said, look, take him out. We just started taking care of him from then on. You know, what happens to a man that deteriorates to the position that he's in? From what I've been able to piece together, he was adopted by an elderly couple, so they died early in his life. He joined the military, got married somewhere along in that line. His wife said, come home and take care of the family or she was going to leave him. He went home to take care of his wife. Well, she left him anyway and took the kid. I just wish God would all of this stop. I mean, it's been a challenge. It's a slog to get those benefits. In the middle of this thing, I don't know when it'll end. I don't know if it will end. When I committed to help him, I basically told God I'd see it through.
2: Mark was in hell until Eddie Green came into his life and changed all that. Mark was very sick, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome. The first thing they start thinking about is what they did in that war how many people they done killed.
1: Sometimes I think I've made so many mistakes. When I'm laying in bed, I ask God to make sure I don't wake up.
2: I don't want to see them die. I'm hoping that Mark can get out of the prison that he's in, in his own mind, and come back to life. For a while, I hated God
1: more than anything on this planet. That kind of, that went away because I figured there's all kinds of people on this planet that are kind of like me, and he's helping them. Eddie is someone that I would do anything for if I could. Go to the bathroom and then call me when you get ready to brush your teeth, all all right? He's done so much for me. If you consider that you're a gift of God to the other people in the world, there really is something spiritual that takes place when we give our life. It's just like a crystallization of the reality of what God feels for mankind.
2: Just listen to Mark. Listen to him cry out of he, he became my brother. This is the way I look at other people. They are human beings. They're brothers and sisters no matter what. Somebody needs to reach out, give them compassion, and don't think loving somebody is weak. It is powerful. Love is the most powerful thing in the world.
0: Love the way, I love the way the gentleman said, I told God I'd see it through. And we faced this weekend the fact that it doesn't always turn out good. This is turning out really good. That beautiful story. I wonder if I can be quite personal for a moment as I wrap this up. Last weekend, um, how many of you were here last weekend? That's good. How many of you were here this weekend? <laughs> last weekend I shared about the um, decision years ago that Kay and I made to foster a, two young ladies in our congregation. They became part of our family. And as I stressed back then, I didn't tell the story for us a sense of nobility, but to actually confess the struggle that I had, you take care of it, God. But we did that. Something happened yesterday that shows an ongoing beautiful outcome. Kay is back in England right now and had a girls' day out in London yesterday. They were lining up for theater tickets and wanted to share the photograph they sent, that's um, our daughter Kelly on the right there. and That's Kay behind her. The two young ladies on the left, the two ladies on the left are our foster daughters. And behind them, I suppose you would call her our, our foster granddaughter. And Kay doesn't know I'm even showing you this, so I could be in deep difficulty. <laughs> but I wanted to show it to you because I want you to see the joy joy that has come keep giving yourself away Paul did he he went to Rome and the Bible doesn't describe his ending but we know from church history he was placed on trial and he was beheaded gave his life away Barnabas, he he sails out of the biblical record. He goes goes back to Cyprus. And church tradition history tells us that he was debating in a synagogue and an angry crowd dragged him out. They tortured him horribly and then they stoned him to death. Gave his life away. Or there's a postscript. I don't know whether he was right about John Mark or not. But after his death, a young man came to collect his body and take it back to the family. John Mark gave his life away. Gave his life away. Let's keep doing it. Would you pray with me? It's messy, Lord, sometimes, and it's marvelous. It doesn't always end the way we'd like it to. But we want to somehow find ways to live lives and not just have an occasional flurry of generosity, but to live that way. That's what we want. We don't want to be manipulated. But we want to push through disappointment. Help us. I'd like us to keep our heads bowed for a moment, and I'm going to give a very simple invitation, and it's very specific. Please listen very carefully. In a moment, I'd like you to respond if you are one of those people who would say, Pastor Jeff, I've been burned, I'm disappointed. It turned out badly. I was ripped off. One of those emotions are yours or one of those experiences are yours. And somehow you know that you have kind of closed your heart because of that experience. And this weekend, I have a sense that God is doing a deep work. And he wants to open our hearts again to possibility, to possible hurt and pain. I wonder if that is where you find yourself right now. As I look around the building, can I ask you if that's where you're at and you want to respond to this? You're saying, I'm opening my heart. I'm making a step. Can I ask you just to slip up your hand for a moment and hold it there, please? Do it now. Now. And just keep it out. If you can't hold it up, just keep it out in front of you open. We don't know, Lord, what stories you want to write in our lives, but we want to be open to you. So you know what those, many of us who are responding, you know where we've been and you know where we hurt, but we pray that you will help us once again to open ourselves to your direction, to your prompting, to the opportunities for generosity that you place before us. And we dare pray this, Lord, interrupt our lives. Wow. Get in the way of our agendas, Lord, that we might pass around your generosity and your grace. Before we close this, why don't you just whisper to the Lord what you'd like to whisper to the Lord. Go ahead, just in your own heart. So we give you thanks, Lord. We believe that you're going to help us. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen.